Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Welcome to a very special Mike Wise show. Since our debut on January 14th, 2019, we've done 101 shows. And this week, we have a repeat offender who first appeared on April 22nd, 2019. You know him from ESPN, Sirius XM, NBA Radio. And now he joins Dan Levitard's Pirate Ship, anchored on South Beach. But ladies first, so Darlene, do your thing. The Mike Wise Show is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media. The Mike Wise Show is hosted by a guy who played basketball atrociously for Hawaii Pacific College, which forced him into journalism. And oh yeah, he wrote about basketball for the New York Times, the Washington Post and ESPN. He's also a wise ass, and so are many of his guests. Right, Mike? Thank you again, Darlene. Amin El Hassan is a force. After working in the Phoenix Suns front office under the previous ownership, he joined ESPN.com. He works for Sirius XM NBA Radio, ESPN. Now he's the top draft pick of the still-to-be-named pirate ship. He's also a Star Wars expert, which I respect more than anything. Welcome, Amin. Welcome back. Oh, Mike, how's it going, man? I'm really excited. It's a, a special time in my life. You know, you and you embark on a new adventure and you don't know if it's quite going to work out, but you kind of don't care. It, it, I've, I've likened it to, uh, you know, the people who, who go uh, uh, body suit gliding, right? Like they jump out and they wear these <laughs> things like flying squirrels, right? Right. You know, with the little wings and they jump yeah. literally and they're, and they're just sailing along in, in the sky. And I have to imagine, I've never done it, but I have to imagine part of it is exhilarating of the feeling, what it feels like to really yeah. fly and have freedom. And part of it has to be terrifying because like, what if I hit a tree here? Well, that's yeah. exactly how I feel. I remember that we got my wife uh, is a bachelor uh, devotee. And there was a there was a former uh, guy from a bachelorette episode that basically died um, doing that gliding. But, oh, wow. um, you know, and they, they said a little RIP for him. And it's like, Bottom line is, I think you're going to have a better experience, and I hope you do, or else um, you won't be a repeat guest um, uh, in the future. There's so, <laughs> a lot riding. There's a lot riding on it here. Huh? Yeah. Uh, so I uh, I took a kind of a, a leap of faith when I left the Washington Post for the undefeated. It turned out to be a, in hindsight, uh, for about a year and a half, a very good gamble. And then after that, I wasn't. But either way, this is, this is a big deal. Um, you, how long were you at ESPN? Eight years. Yeah. Eight years. That's a long time. Mike, you know, the craziest thing is I've worked at ESPN longer than I've worked at any other company in my life. That's great. It's a weird feeling though. Yeah, I know. Especially when you're moving around and you're, there's this instability thing and then you finally got stability and, and you've, yeah, you're taking another leap of faith. This is huge. Exactly. I don't know if it's it's been de- defined yet, but what will your new role be um, under the company that's been formed by former ESPN president John Skipper and and uh, a friend of ours, Dan Levitard? 
Yeah, D- Dan jokes about this a lot about yeah. how they don't even know what my role is. Um, to start with, because the company is still trying to figure itself out. You know, it's very hard yeah. for me to define myself if the company hasn't defined itself. So to start with, it's going to be a lot of what I've already provided for that show over the years, which is yeah. uh, a little bit more frequent now guest spots, doing NBA analysis for them, uh, a little NBA insider, you know, parlor tricks, if you will. And then shenanigans, participating in the shenanigans. Yeah. And, you know, as the, the company defines itself and as we start to um, realize what the opportunities are and expansion happens, because it's going to be bigger than just the show. Sure. And, you know, South Beach Sessions, which is Dan's one-on-one sit-down podcast. It's going to be bigger than that. I, I'm sure that we're going to find other vehicles and avenues that I'm going to be participating in. And, and really, the sky is the limit. You know, at the end of the day, Mike, I kind of, for me, the decision wasn't about what am I going to do or mm-hmm. even how much am I going to get paid? It's about I'm working with people that I know are creative and take risks and look at things in a different way and aren't afraid to have fun at the expense of themselves, at the expense yeah. of others. And that's what I wanted to be a part of more than anything. I think, Dan, uh, what, I always see people like, uh, if you don't like it, you don't get the show. And mm-hmm. what I've always said about it is, um, and Dan and I are very similar in this way is that, you know, there's, there's a certain uh, seriousness in the world of sports now that's so serious and not mm-hmm. just the saber metrics and analytics, but, but it goes deeper than that. It's sort of like trades and firings are treated like, you know, supreme uh, capital insurgents. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and so it's, there's a, there are things to treat very serious, uh, mm-hmm. the racism. The, the Jerry Sandusky type stories, but mm-hmm. the rest of it, it's like, it, it's sports. It's still sports. And that's why we got into this business in the first place is we didn't have to grow up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, you know, Tom Brady, I think saw, said this at a press conference a couple of years ago, like guys, we're not talking about Syria here, you know, we're talking about, <laughs> Oh, uh, uh, did you check down before? Or, you know, like, it's just, <laughs> it's not that big of a deal. Not something for people yeah. to get upset and angry about. And, and again, that's what, that's what I love about working with Dan and working with Stugatz and the rest of the shipping container. You know, the, the reality is in sports, as we cover sports, you often talk about the importance of chemistry, mm. of uh, chemistry and culture. Those are two buzzwords everyone likes to bandy about. Coaches, front office people, media people. Chemistry and culture. Do we have a roster of people who get along together professionally and then be culture? Do we have a set of standards and kind of uh, a belief system that we all adhere to that allows us to kind of have expectations that are unsaid at some point, mm. right? That's something that every sports franchise like seeks. They all want great chemistry and a strong culture so that we don't have to explain to people, well, we don't do that around here. You already know it when you walk mm. in the door. That's what Dan does, right? And it's the irony is Dan once upon a time did not believe in chemistry. Dan was- he just threw what, out, oh, that's funny. Yeah, he was I, why, the guy. why not? Why, why not? That's the beauty of the show. And that's the beauty of what he does is well, there's a there, there's, you know, I always say they they, they frequently try to um, do the copycat thing with TNT and Ernie and Shaq and, and Charles. And they try and I even like auditioned to Fox Sports one long ago. And the, the whole idea was we're going to do this thing with uh, Andy 
uh, Roddick and we're going to do this thing with Gary Pants. Like, no, it's the people and the people have to not like and, and respect and know each other. Mm -hmm. And to the, to the point where you can irritate another guy on, uh, on air and he could, and he can almost laugh at himself. And I think so, that's that, that, that's what that show does in a lot of ways, like the DNT studio crew does. Yep. That's, that's an excellent example. TNT su is successful is the, the gold standard of all sports uh, TV studio shows, right? Why? Two words, chemistry and culture, right? Mm. Ernie, Kenny, Charles, Shaq, they all get along. I know Shaq and Charles sometimes get into that little tete-a-tete, yeah. but they, they get along. They're just, yeah. they're just joshing each other as they would if they were in a real locker room, right? Yeah. So the chemistry is unflappable. And then the second half of it, culture. They've created a culture. So Shaq is the new guy, right? Yes. I, I'm you and I are both old enough to remember when it was just Kenny and, and oh Earth. yeah. Oh yeah. When, I can't believe when, that. They, they, they've been on for 20 odd years. Yeah. It's insane. I remember when Charles was the new guy, right? Yeah. And now we can't even imagine it without Charles. And then Shaq was the new guy. But the reality is, you know, the culture really was set with Kenny and EJ. Yeah. And when Charles came in, look, Charles is just the kind of guy where he he's a, he's gonna fit in almost any social setting he he finds yeah. himself in, right? but it just so happened that this one was perfect for him, right? Yeah. And so at that point, they built the culture. So when Shaq comes aboard, and I I've you know Shaq played for us at the Suns. I know Shaq very well. I've I've uh, you know mm. talked to Shaq professionally. I talked to Shaq as a friend. I know that he has adapted himself to that show. That if it were up to him, or not up to him, that's not the right way to put it. If the show had started with Shaq, it would be a different show. Mm -hmm. But it's not because part of it is the parts that appeal to him fit perfectly. And then he's had to kind of adjust somewhat to it. Mm -hmm. And that's what culture does. Culture says, look, we'll bend here, we'll bend there. But at the end of the day, these are our tenets. Mm -hmm. If you don't fit within this, then there really ain't no place for you, right? And they've had a lot of guys in that poor chair yeah. over the years. But Shaq is the guy who's fit. And that's where the chemistry and culture come together. That's how you get a great franchise. That's mm -hmm. how you get a great show, whatever it is. Amin El Hassan is the guest. And right now, I think the, the news to come out of this show is that him joining the Levitard Skipper lineup, he has now compared himself to Shaquille O'Neal. And it's, um, it, it's a huge thing to fill. And I can't believe, I think it's arrogant of you. And I think, I don't think you should, uh, you should be that sure of yourself this yeah. early in this, in the uh, interview. However, I, I feel like you do. So, so here's the best part. If I were Shaq right now, sitting in this chair, would we talk about his arrogance, baby? But it's part and parcel, <laughs> right? So if you call me arrogant, I feel like oh, I'm doing a great Shaq impersonation then. <laughs> I love you, Diesel. It's all love. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, yeah. We we go back. We go back at, uh, two autobiographies ago. Oof. God bless him. It probably that 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 book, Chack Talks Back, probably paid for this house. Well, let um, me tell you, <laughs> there, there there's a list of people that I always think about. Shaq's on that list where I'm like, thank you for everything that I have in my life. Oh, Shaq, God. Steve Nash, Grant Hill, Steve Kerr, David Griffin, Alvin Gentry, Mike D'Antoni. That's the list right there. Yeah, um, well, before we get to all the league matters, I, I do want to ask you, and it's easy to bash ESPN, of course, that I don't work there and you don't work there anymore. I don't mm -hmm. want to do that as much as I want to say that probably 
One of the frustrations uh, Dan shared was a lot of people shared, especially after Jimmy Pitaro took over for John Skipper, was that at a time when there was this, you know, social conscience uh, renaissance in sports Mm -hmm. and people were, it it wasn't like the whole thing was, you know, left-wing social uh, engineers, but, but the bottom line is there is no, there's no world that, you know, stick to sports anymore. That's that, that genie came out of the box, the bottle a long time ago. And I guess what I'm asking you is, do you feel like you're almost liberated a little bit from a world in which the Norby Williamson's wanted to make it a highlight based thing uh, again and top 10 lists and in sports is sports. And every now and then, yeah, we'll give you the undefeated because it looks good for us. But, but I, I just felt like that not that they had to cash in on it, but not to cover it. It's just part of sports. And I was wondering from your standpoint, I know that Dan was frustrated with that. Is there, is there a, also a liberation on your part that I can, I can say some things and talk about some things that I, that I didn't necessarily feel as comfortable about because of the new management. Yeah. Mike, you know, this is what I'll say. I had eight great years at Mm -hmm. ESPN. I really enjoyed working there. I met a lot of great people. You're one of the people I met. Working, if I hadn't worked for ESPN, I don't know if we would ever met. I I You're read right. you when I was I read you in the New York Times when I was growing up and I was in high school <laughs> in New York. So I've always known about you, yeah. but I can't call Mike Wise a friend if I don't work for ESPN. Probably true? not. Probably this not. Right. So for me, and, and as I said at the top of the show, eight years—that's the longest I've worked anywhere. So I'm always going to have fond memories of ESPN. Having said that, I understand how a large publicly traded company will sometimes have a more restricted view of what how they want the work to get done, right? The beauty, and that's one of the reasons why I left to go be with Dan, because Dan and John Skipper and Stu Gatz and Mike, Billy, Roy, Chris, it's a small company. And I've, you know, I went to a lot of people don't know this. I, I have an MBA. Went to grad school with uh, yes. got, got my MBA. And a lot of our case studies were about the nimbleness of smaller companies and their ability to adapt to changing Mm. times and how that uh, supersedes sometimes companies with much farther resources and larger, right? Because much like a speedboat and a ocean liner, a speedboat can change directions very quickly. An ocean liner, it takes a while, right? It's the reason why the Titanic ran into an iceberg. It's hard for the Titanic to swerve as opposed to a speedboat would have just zipped right around it, right? Yeah. Now they were they were going too fast. The captain, I don't yeah. know what he was thinking. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, you know, the, the point being is, you know, I think about ESPN and were there times when I wished I could be a little freer? Yes, but at the same time, I have to acknowledge the number of times where I was told you can't say that specifically. Mm either by an editor when I was writing, by a program director when I was doing radio, or by a producer when I was doing TV, was extremely limited, right? I, I always felt I could say what I wanted to say. Now, part of it might be self-censorship on my part. You know, you read the room, you're like, well, yeah. maybe this doesn't feel like something that's very appreciated right now in the company, so I'll steer away from it. Maybe I did that subconsciously. But I'm going to say that while, yes, I'm excited to be part of Dan's pirate ship and where we can say whatever we want to say and tweet whatever we want to tweet. Uh, I also have to acknowledge that the number of times I felt restricted, like overtly restricted. I want to say this. No, you can't say that. 
They're extremely limited. I'm not gonna say it never yeah. happened, but I'm, it's not. It wasn't like a constant thing. Oh, I've been there. Yeah, I've been there, and it, even at where the undefeated, you would get. You think we would get more of a a leash and yeah. we were we were pulled in a lot and that's um, just you're right publicly traded company all of a sudden you have people resign you know all the people cutting off their subscriptions because jamel hill calls the president a racist which in hindsight was pretty much she was prescient but um but but yeah, I, and, I, and also also i don't think many people cut off their subscriptions i i like that's another story like to me <laughs> how much of, how much of this actually impacted the bottom line like because of social issues I, like I've always because I've always when I first started ESPN, Mike. Yeah, I walked in and I said, uh, I remember you, you did the car wash. I don't know if you did the car wash. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did the yeah. car wash. All right. So I walked in and I said, they asked me like, oh, what do you what is your vision or whatever? So, well, television is dying, like it's going the way of the newspaper. And so I'm trying to figure out what's next and to be on the cutting edge of that. And everyone was like, what? And I was like, this is eight <laughs> years ago. I'm like, yeah, like people are not going to continue subscribing to to cable and more importantly people are not going to continue to wait until six o'clock for you to tell them what happened in the world or 11 o'clock what happened in the sports world we're all getting our highlights on twitter or on instagram or on youtube people are are no longer subjected to uh the rigors and the restrictions of linear television if i want to know what happened kemba walker came back today for the celtics we're recording this on sunday uh, January 17th, right? Ken Walker came back for the Celtics today and the Knicks blew him out anyway by like 30 points, right? I'm not waiting until 11 p.m. Eastern to watch sports and figure out, well, how did that happen? How right. did Kemba look? Well, how did the Knicks? No, I'm, I you probably you looked at your phone twice. A million right. times. I've seen every clip, every highlight of who did what and how Kemba looked and, and analysis and I've read analysis from different people on the internet and maybe there are people who tweeted clips and see how the Kemba's moving here and there's, I'm so much more important about the game than everyone who's waiting until 11 p.m. Mm. Does that mean that I am representative of the entire population of the United States? Absolutely not. There's a good deal of people who are still getting their news, waiting for the 11 o'clock news, the 11 o'clock sports center, right? But there's a growing population of people who don't, right? And so within that regard, I've always felt like, you know, how is, what's the future going to look like? The future is going to look like a lot of on-demand programming, unless it's breaking news right now, right? If OJ is going down uh, the 405, or excuse me, AC is driving down the 405 with OJ in the back, yes, we're all tuning into that, right? But if it's, hey, this happened, Harden got traded a few days ago. I'm not waiting for Sports Center or or uh, Undisputed or First Take or any of these shows. I'm going to my phone and getting all this analysis real uh, like right away. Yeah. Oh no. And when our country's falling apart, you don't wait for the CNN broadcast. You're yeah. looking at Twitter. You're looking at yeah. uh, Facebook. You're looking at all these social media outlets that have live streaming of of the craziness. And then maybe you're what you're looking for perspective and larger things later. But uh, I feel like you're right. I think this my my biggest thing about the media today, not only is it we're advocacy journalism has replaced real journalism in many ways, yeah. but but in some ways there I think there's some I think there's some things strategically that is smart to be uh, advocate advocating and and no. and right and right, morally right to be advocating. And I, I have no problem with some of it. Of course, when people advocate the wrong things, I, I want them uh, drawn and quartered. 
And so, and that's, and, and that's, that's the hard part, right? The hard part is uh, there, there, no, there's no gatekeeper. It's right. all out there. And so it's up to us as consumers to figure out what's real, what's not, what's good, what's not, what's well, uh, well done, well done journalism. And what is, even if it supports something that you believe, shoddy journalism like or, right. or biased journalism we have to do that we have to get more educated as a people but I, i'll never forget mike I, i'm curious to hear your answer to this yeah. do you remember the first thing the first real news item you ever learned via twitter and not like from a traditional media source Ooh, I man. you know i you know i i mean i want to say and because i was such a big fan growing up i now have different feelings about him having watched the documentary, but, um, but uh, I want to say the first time that Twitter really, it was the first time that big news came into my life was Michael Jackson's death, the death wow. of Michael Jackson, in 2009. Okay. Yeah. And, uh, and I remember it because I was in, I was in California. I almost sadly enough, I was going to go, go where the mourners were, but I was mm. so blown away by it at 50 years old. And I was just, uh, I, I couldn't believe it. And, um, but I remember it came via Twitter because Twitter and sort I mean, I'm sorry, uh, they had picked up TMZ as report and TMZ, that's where, right. believe it or not, that's where yeah. they made their bones was they got yep. someone in the hospital to tell him he was dead before anybody yep. knew. And so yeah, um, how about you? One, yeah. For me, it was bin Laden. I remember oh, being wow, on Twitter that night. About a year yeah. later. Yep. I remember being on Twitter and people saying they got bin Laden. And I was like, what? And, I'm, and then I said, N I turned on, I never forget because I turned on CNN. Nothing. MSNBC, nothing. Uh, Fox, nothing. And so I'm thinking to myself, well, no, this must be some silly Twitter rumor because Twitter was still young yeah. and it's in infancy. There's no way they got this right. And then I remember, I can't remember what channel I was watching, but they interrupted the program for a special address from the president of the United States. And I remember Obama walking from inside the White House, that long ass red carpet uh. to the podium. And he had this cool ass stroll. And he got uh. to the podium and he said, uh, you know, several hours ago, uh, members of SEAL Team 6. Uh, <laughs> That's a good and, uh, do it, do did it. that. And I, <laughs> I wish I had the exact quote in front of me, but he's saying like, he's it, was almost a, say it was almost a Jordan Peele Obama. I was, my Obama was pretty good. Uh, I always tell Sasha, Malia, Michelle. That uh, Mike Wise is one of my favorite uh, New York Times columnists, uh, writers. Uh, but no, but the, the, the reality was like, he's talking and I'm like, he's not about to say this. This isn't really good. Is, is he going to say it? And then he said, yeah, we got Bin Laden. And I was like, that's insane because I knew this about 40 minutes ago from Twitter of all places. From, and it wasn't because ABC News tweeted it. It was just like regular people tweeting they got Bin Laden. They got I Bin know. Laden. And so that was the moment for me. And I know that's still ahead of the curve for most of the regular population. But it's like, that was the moment for me. All of that changed. Yep. Like, this is a, a different world that we're living in where not even the serious news is coming to us from our gatekeepers of cable mm -hmm. news networks or, or the, the Dan Rathers of the world or whatever. We're getting it from our phones, from this, this thing in our pocket. I, I completely agree with you. We're, uh, our... As you know, our guest is uh, Amin El Hassan, the third most famous person uh, who was born in Sudan that ended up working in the NBA. The first two, of course, were Manute yeah. Ball and Bol Bol. <laughs> no, Actually, no, Bol no. Bol was born over here. What am I talking about? No, no, I know Bol Bol, Bol was born in Sudan. I oh, he was. But I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say, 
I'm I'm third. Bobo yeah. is fourth. Second though is yeah. Luol Deng. Oh, what did I? What am I thinking? Luol Deng. Luol Deng is second. And yeah. and by the way, if we really want to get technical, the actor Alexander Sadig is probably on the list there somewhere. Although I'm not sure if he was born in. I mean, in the Sudan fact that I even like you'd have to tell me a movie he was in. A, You're oh, let me tell you this. He was he no he was in Star Trek: The Next Generation. Uh, uh, he's on that show for a while, but okay. he also he was on Game of Thrones. Uh, the uh, Prince Oberlin's father. Remember the father? Ah. He died with him. That's Alexander Sadiq. Okay, he's, okay. He's, all right, I'll give him some. All right, I'll give him some love. I still so don't like, think he's as well known. He's as one of those. He's one of those guys where I say his name, you don't know who he is. Yeah. But if I show you a picture, or you watched his movie. You're like, yeah, that's the guy from Syriana, and that's the guy. He's in a lot of stuff. But he's always playing kind of like a vaguely Middle Eastern character. So, <laughs> oh man! All right. So, one of your buddies, Steve Nash, is um, I. You know, the Nets mortgage their future. I, I on one level, it it's almost like you're blessed with so much talent, and so many coaches tell you, you don't go anywhere with talent. What could possibly go wrong? But I also think that Steve Nash, in some ways, the way he teaches the game, the way he thinks of it, he he kind of has to eat a shit sandwich a little bit right here. He has, he has to be the guy that molds the, you know, he has to be the Phil Jackson, essentially the, the, uh, the guy that molds the, some of the greatest players of, his, of their generation and find a way so they can, they can work together and, and have chemistry on the court. Uh, yeah. th thoughts on the Nets? Well, Mike, I would say this, when rumors first emerged of James Harden's desire to be a Brooklyn net back in November, whenever it was, I was very adamant, like, this. that's not going to work. That's not a good idea for many of the same reasons that you just kind of outlined because it's only one basketball. It's three, very, three of the most ball-dominant players in the history of the NBA, right? And two of them fled situations that were a very ball-movement-friendly area, like Kyrie from Boston. That's a very move-the-ball-around-everyone-gets-to-eat thing. And he wasn't happy because he wanted to be in control. Kevin Durant was winning championships in Golden State, a very egalitarian offense. And he was like, you know what? I know I came here because I hated, you know, being an ISO player in Oklahoma City, but I kind of miss ISOs now, right? So part of me was like, yeah, like you guys are, you fled this. Now you're going to have to readapt to it all over again. I, I, I just don't see that happening. But what's happened over the last, I guess now coming on two weeks, has changed my opinion in this way. Well, Kyrie Irving's erratic behavior, whatever the reason is, however legitimate the reason is, how, no matter how big of a Kyrie proponent you are, you have to accept something. He's not here right now. <laughs> this is true. Right? This and, is true. And, and it happened now. It could happen again. Because it's not like crazy things don't happen anymore. That was the last crazy thing oh. last Wednesday or two Wednesdays ago. Yeah, no, it it could happen again. And he who knows what will set him off or trigger him. And again, I am not sitting here in judgment of what makes that man say, I need some time away. Yeah. Not, I Whatever it is, man, I, God bless you. I hope you figure it out. But the reality is in the meantime, we don't pause. Life goes on in Brooklyn and all the uh, across the NBA. And Steve Nash and Shaw Marks and Kevin Durant all have to continue to figure out, okay, what do we do now? Because he's not here. Yes. So acquiring James Harden. It's almost like it's Kyrie insurance. It's, it's Kyrie insurance that you already cashed in. Ah. Because at this point, ah. 
it ain't like when's Kyrie coming back? It's hey man, uh, so we're leaving. Are you if you're coming? Come on, no, yeah, right, yeah. we're right. leaving. We're you're leaving. Right. We well, got our guys. You can make an argument that Kyrie is has always been gone. It's just a matter of how he performs on the court. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, like whether it's injury or whatever he's dealing with. But at the end of the day, they went out and got a guy just as good as Kyrie, if not better. Yeah, I should say he is better because not only has he been an MVP in this league, but he's been top five in MVP voting many, many times. And I think at that point, you have to acknowledge that yeah, that's a really, really, really good player, right? That's one of the best oh. players in the league. So yeah. now, instead of me trying to figure out, okay, how do Kyrie, Kevin Durant, and Harden fit? I'm like, well, how do Harden and KD fit? And I watched that game, their first game in or- against Orlando. It fit pretty well. Oh. I'll tell you right now. Uh, they fit pretty well. Now, do they have question marks? Absolutely. They got to figure out the defensive element. Yeah. Not good enough. Not but, but good the, enough. The, but. There's something about them where it's it's not so much the subline choreography of teamwork with them, but there's almost a uh, like it's a baton handing off. Like, oh, I just I just hit three or four. I feel it, but you know what? You're ready to go on a streak now. And it's almost like they're handing I, off the ball. It, it, it's it's almost like you know what it's like to be in a zone, one of the two of the great uh, streak shooters. Yeah getting his own players of all time and they almost understand that in um in uh intuitively about each other and i think right I, you're right i think that mark I, makes so, it so, that's what i'll say i watched that game against orlando and the thing the takeaway and again that was one game maybe next game it looks a lot more disjointed but one harden had the ball in his hands a lot and durant seemed content with that two harden ended up with a 30-point triple-double, which is really nice. And that was the main story. Durant ended up with 40-plus points. <laughs> and it, it became an afterthought. Yeah. And I'm like, that's the part where it gets easy, right? Where you can be doing all this stuff, and it's just like, it's so much less pressure because the way Harden plays. And, I, and I, like, I think it's just them two is a great fit. Now, the problem is you add a third dude, and now all the freedom and space get constricted mm. and i'll never forget this mike d'antoni has a saying a lot of times he said in practice like if we're running a set like okay you throw it to him and then you down screen over there and then you come off and on a dribble handoff right here and then he'll say and now we're just playing basketball meaning mm. you guys are all smart you know how the reads if the defense playing this way, then you dive and he's going to hit you. If they're sagging back, then you pop, he'll hit you here. If they're kind of playing in between, then that means the guy over there is open. Skip pass. Make sure you're filled in the corner. I don't need to tell you guys this. You've played basketball your whole lives. You know how to play. Harden and Durant, not only have they played together, obviously that helps. But they're play- they last, or last, last, I guess, yeah, it was last night. They're playing basketball. Like, okay, we're going to run a pick and roll, and then this guy's going to dive. And now, Depending on what the defense does, I read it, you read it, we're both smart guys, and we'll figure all that out. That's a lot easier to do with two stars and a bunch of role players than it is with three stars and a bunch of role players. You're, you're completely right, and there's so, much, there's so much in there you could get to, but the, mo- the main thing is, it's, you know, two of, the, two of the most talented players in the history of the league I am um, Frank Isola and I, who a friend of ours that you know mm-hmm. as well. Um, we used to, when we were covering the Knicks back in the day, we would always, um, we would always come up with back pages. And of course we always wanted John Cr- 
Crotty to be um, joined the Knicks would be cut by them because the back page would have been Crotty chopped. Um, uh -huh. and you like that? <laughs> yeah, but but, oh, but so so what happens is in my in the neural cortex of my brain, just like you remember Star Wars lines, I think of like back pages. And I thought when Katie Harden and Kyrie got together, I had some possible big three nicknames. I want you to tell me which one you like the best. The three enigmas, um, the feared, the beard, and the weird, the foundation, the unshaven, and the misbehaven, Trace Locos, the Durantula, the deep threat, and the diva, and my favorite personally, Brooklyn Mine Mine. <laughs> okay, all right. Hold on. Brooklyn Mine Mine is definitely number one. All right, good, good. I'm glad yeah, you like yeah. it. Yes. Brooklyn Mine Mine. Yeah, okay, right, good. The, the, beard, be the, beard, wine wine. the fear, the beard, and the weird is very strong. That was my number one yeah. until Brooklyn Mine Mine came up. Uh, the three enigmas only works for me if they Photoshop the sombreros and the red. The three bandolinos. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, you got to have them looking like, you know, yeah. Steve Martin, Chevy Chase, and Martin Short. Then I'll take the three enigmas. <laughs> yeah, you know. But, uh, you know, the 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 thing I, you know, I'm trying to think. Yeah, I can't come up with a, a better one than any of those. Uh, I sure was going to. You'll just, all you need I, is like five I was, minutes. Yeah, but, like, you know, at some point, like, it'll be three's a crowd. Yeah. When he comes back, when Kyrie comes back and it doesn't and it like falters for a couple of games, it'll turn into threes a crowd. And so and so says, says S E Z, by the way. They never they <laughs> they save a letter there instead of spelling S A Y S. They go S E Z uh, says not yeah. enough uh, airspace for three guys to you know to be out there. So no, look, Brooklyn Mind Mind, that's that's a strong one. That's uh that's uh, almost or it's right up there with uh, Justin Termini from Sirius XM Radio who came up with this and Charles Barkley lifted it and did it on air. Yeah. He said, Kevin Durant went from playing with the Splash Brothers to playing with the Dribble Brothers. <laughs> that was that's pretty strong. The Dribble, right. Oh, yeah. There, there, there'll be a lot of shot clocks dribbled out in the lives of those two players. I, I Look, I'm one of these people that even though I covered Jordan in his prime and there'll be nothing that I ever, I believe cover that is as spectacular and almost like there were times when I would write an early lead for the New York Times just to make sure I I got my story in on time for uh, whatever the Bangladesh edition and mm -hmm. and I would write something about Jordan winning the game and by and large it, it held up most of the time oh you you were you were just you were like no, taking a leap of faith yeah, I would take a leap of faith and I would, well, the, one of the editors was sort of like, what, do switch leads, like, right, Michael Jordan and the Bulls win or my Utah and the Jazz win. And I would have these real, you know, basic formula things and then put on the background right. at the end. But the bottom line is Michael Jordan, awesome. by and large, would come true. It was, it was like a video game for, for yeah. many other. And boy, man, I, LeBron James wins one or two more titles and, and he beats a team like Kyrie, um, James Harden and Kevin Durant in the finals, and obviously AD would be AD could easily be the MVP of that series. But but man, I, I got to start looking. At, I got to start putting him. You know, like if he's not the greatest player of all time, and I know these these Superman Batman arguments go on forever. I think he's got to be there. 
I mean, I just well, how how do you keep LeBron out of that conversation just because you don't like a press conference he did ten years ago? Now, now Mike, you're, you're older than me, so you you remember this a lot clearer than I do. Yeah. But I remember when I thought Michael Jordan was the greatest player ever, and no one would ever come close. And people older than me were like, "What?" <laughs> Magic Johnson went to the finals almost every year of his career. Yeah, bird. how could you say? How could you say? Da, da, da. And I would, someone older would be like, what? Let <laughs> me tell you what Oscar Robertson was doing. Yeah. And so every generation has their guy who they say unequivocally, this is the best player of all time. And you're nuts if you think this guy, oh, the league is so easy now. The league is so easy now is something that's always, but, you know, Jordan didn't even play against anybody. Magic had to beat. Uh, Bird, and he had to beat, you yeah. know, uh, like they list all the great teams that they had to play against, right? And then Jordan comes, and then it's like, Jordan, this guy, like, oh, you know, how could you even say that anyone's better than Jordan? LeBron, he had to team up with this or that, whatever. <laughs> and so I'm, I'm of the school of thought that there is no such thing as the greatest player of all time. Mm. There are great players. There are players who definitely are greater than others right i feel very confident when i say lebron james is in a different category uh than clyde drexler mm. or charles yeah. barkley or carl yeah. malone right who are great great hall of fame top 50 of all time players right probably top 20 yeah but i'm just saying officially known, known as top 50 of all time players. right but lebron's better than them yeah, I, I, I don't even I don't leave sleep, sleep over that. But at the end of the day, it all comes into like these crusts. Right. I would say Magic, Kareem, Michael, LeBron, Oscar, Wilton, Russell. Those guys all bring a greatness to the table um, that you depending on what you value, you might put this guy ahead of this one or you might put that guy ahead of this one. And then there's a gap. And then the next gap, the next crust is like. Shaq, Carl Malone, Charles Barkley, Tim Duncan, Kobe Bryant, um, Rick Barry. Yeah, I um, you know, Bird wasn't in the conversation in that Bird. First one. Um, but I I, like, yeah, Bird, Bird's a Bird's on my Mount Rushmore. Even, even, I mean, specifically because yeah. I'm a Caucasian, and no, I'm kidding. It doesn't, but no, I Bird. But I saw the Bird Magic rivalries, and it was sort of like Bird and Magic were the last guy. I like both right. of them very much growing up and they were the they were the last posters i kind of took off my wall as a kid oh, yeah. or is it like whatever in college and i was like you know what if i'm gonna do this i can't i can't be enamored by these guys uh, so much but i look at i don't know i see bird maybe you know what bird oscar kobe all those yeah. guys like I, I i think but i think you're right about well kareem i like kareem man i kareem, love kareem, kareem. Well, Kareem, like, here's what I, I, I might say. put him as my top center of all time. LeBron faced the most, like, had to answer to the highest stakes. Yes. The only other player in history who had to deal with it like that was Kareem. In terms of Kareem, when he was an eighth grader, everyone said, this oh. guy's going to be the best ever. And so to have to answer to that at Power Memorial at UCLA, at Milwaukee, at Los Angeles. That's like, great. That's at every point. turn, he had to answer that bell in the same way that LeBron did starting when he beat Lenny Cook in the ABCD camp, right? That Lenny moment started. Wow. 
that's a good that that's moment. A, that's a pull. I mean, look, but that's the moment LeBron became a thing. Before yeah. that, he was just some kid from Hicktown, Ohio, mm-hmm. right? And all the best players come from California, Chicago, or New York. And don't tell us about no Hicks from Ohio. And he changed right. that. Uh, but but at the same time, you know, you know, it's funny. We talk about Bird and Magic. They were contemporaries, their peers. Yeah, Bird definitely should have been in that first tier. And I apologize for that. But I always, the thing that made me think is that I know plenty of players who have played against Magic and played against Bird. And this isn't a measure of who's a better player, but probably by a five to one or six to one ratio. I have so many more stories I've heard about, man, we were playing Bird and this happened than I do about Magic. It's not about the greatness of, oh, he dropped 40 on us, whatever. It's things like Bird shot left-handed the entire game. I know. Bird, uh, Bert, my favorite one to this day. There's, this is the best trash talk I've ever heard in my mm. entire life, Mike. And Dennis Rodman told this story. He said, this is <laughs> Dennis Rodman, all defensive team Dennis Rodman, when the Pistons are great or whatever. He said he's, he's <laughs> guarding Larry Bird. And Larry Bird just decided that day that he was going to ignore Dennis. And by ignore, I mean he was yelling at his teammates they're not guarding me. They're playing four on five and they're leaving me open. Pass me the ball wide open. And Dennis is draped over him. Like, what is he talking about? Come on, go give me the ball, give me the ball. And then it's like, he turned and looked at Chuck Daly. Like, Chuck, you're not going to have a fifth guy on the floor. He's just going to leave me all wide open. I've been all-star and all-Olympian. I haven't heard asleep. that story. That's and, tremendous. And, so, and Dennis Robbins looking around like, is this guy insane? And so then they pass Bird the ball and like Dennis is all over him like a cheap suit. And like the ball barely touches Larry's hands. I mean, it's in his hands. It's up. It goes in. I said, who would have thunk it? They left me, Larry Bird, wide open, right? And so the game goes on. And even when he misses shots, he's loudly apologizing to his teammates. Guys, I'm sorry. I'm wide open. I have to hit those. I apologize. And Dennis, I've never felt more demoralized in my life. I didn't acknowledge him. I mean, but 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 that's like I like there's a million Larry Bird stories like that. Oh yeah, yeah and that, I think that that's, that's you know, that's part of what makes him special. It's the idea yeah. that like this dude wasn't just great; he was great, and he let you know about it. Yeah. <laughs> right? No, he one of the great trash talkers, one of the great gamesmen, you know, ship of all times. I, you know, the the one thing about the league that. And it's hard for me. I love the playoffs last year. I didn't think I would. I was kind of the opinion that, um, look, we can't even get our kids back in school. Why is sports going on? Right. But the NBA did it right. Now you're, right. you're traveling. You, you have people that are in the COVID protocol. Mm-hmm. Um, I know it's part of our world. And I still, maybe because it's the regular season, it just it's hard for me to watch games like I used to without anybody in the stands. And even when they're rolling in crowd noise and whatever, it just, I don't know. It just, it, that's every sport, but the NBA, I, you know, I love going to a game. It's intimate. It's an intimate environment. Yeah. It's unlike any other sport. No yeah. other sport is as intimate as the NBA. That's why our stars are more recognizable than the NFL stars, the, the, you know, baseball stars, but that hurts us more when it comes to spectate, lack of spectators, right? You can feel a lack of crowd at an NBA game in a way that at a football game, you really don't feel. Yeah, I, I, in so many ways. 
Um, Barkley mentioned the other night, uh, kind of irresponsibly, but you know, it's Charles uh, on on the broadcast. It's sort of like, hey, uh, you know, if they're going to get this league to work this year, we, we need we need to line. get the players vaccinated, all the players. And Kenny's, you know, Kenny of course is like, well, Charles, you, you got to get the frontline workers and the elderly. No, no, you got to get them. <laughs> I don't think it, it's crazy. But on one level, the NBA, the NBA, I never thought took enough grief for essentially they were testing their players every day um, back when um, there back when there wasn't enough COVID tests for regular society. Right. And right. so so there's a part of me like Adam Silver's not that tone deaf, and I think there's a real danger here. You have to get a hold of this, don't you believe? You have to get a hold of this COVID problem. Or whether, however you have, whether you have to shut down the season for 10 games or whatever, you have to get a hold of it or else you're going to look like, you know, any other sports league that doesn't give a crap about anybody but themselves. I'm going to say there's a couple of things. One is the NBA entered this season knowing this was going to happen at some point. This isn't like, oh, my God, all these guys have got, oh, no, they knew we're going to go through a stretch in this year where a bunch of guys are unavailable due to COVID protocol violation, right? Whether it's contact tracing, whether it's out, outright positive tests, whatever it is. The other thing is if you look at the nation, right? Not sports, but the nation. We have COVID spikes a few weeks after a major holiday. So the first big spike after the original like when we went into lockdown, everyone would stay at home, Yeah. right? Um, the first big spike happened after Memorial Day by about two or three weeks. More they happened two, three weeks later. Oh, the numbers went back up after it had been going down steadily. Why? Because people got together and it says Memorial Day. How can we, you know, how can I say no? And then it kind of stabilized a little bit. And then we got another spike a few weeks after July 4th. And that's been the rhythms, right? And so the league, not only did they know it would happen, but they had to know, by the way, you've got Christmas, Thanksgiving, the, yeah. the holiday season, families coming by, people getting together. You're going to have a spike. And that's several weeks removed. That's what we're seeing right now. We're seeing the spikes of the holiday season happen. And in a very super cynical, the money is the money way, the NBA is behaving like if we could just ride this spike out, Mm -hmm. It'll normalize again. And all we have to do then is hold on. All we got to do is hold on until the vaccines hit us, right? Right now, frontline workers, I'm, I'm with Kenny. Make no mistake. The people who need it the most, people who work in hospitals because they're facing it every day, the, uh, and the immunocompromised, whether it's the elderly or, uh, you know, people who have, uh, you know, severe immunodeficiency uh, kind of type of conditions. And then we'll figure out the rest of us after that. But as we work through these batches, as more batches of this uh, vaccination become mm -hmm. available, once we get past those two major groups, guess what? That's when the rich people come in, like <laughs> Charles. Right. And they're going to cut lines, right? They're going to, there's going to be a black market or whatever you want to call it. They're going to cut lines. The extra and we'll doses get in somebody's uh, office and they'll right. figure out a way. Because right now the projection is by May or June, yeah. general populace should be eligible to get it. 
Doesn't mean they're gonna be enough. Just means that you don't have to show that you're a frontline worker or a, a you know someone immunocompromised, right? You could be a regular person. If they got them, you'll you'll be able to get them by May or June, which to me means like okay, so they're gonna start cutting the line probably by late March, early April. Well, we have a break in March, so what the NBA is doing right now is like we can just hold on, just ride this out, make sure we keep enforcing the protocols, keep. Uh, enforcing the education, like guys try to, you know, finding Kyrie Irving, finding yeah. uh, James Harden, these things, making examples of guys who break it so that got the players will ultimately just be responsible enough. Like, look, I'm not going out. Look, I'm not expanding my bubble of people I interact with until we get to a point where vaccinations are available for them. And then I think we'll have, we'll, we'll, we'll smooth. Sail. I think by the time we have the finals, Mike, yeah. We will have fans in the stands and we will have media in there. Oh, your, your, your lips to God and Allah and the creator's ears, my friend. <laughs> I mean, that would be awesome. I, I've said that too. I said, I think Bruce Bernstein, my producer and I got it. We were predictions. And I said, by the playoffs, I thought by the playoffs, I don't know that. I don't, I don't think that anymore, but I think by the finals, I think you're right. I think they'll find a way to get the fans back in the stands. And um, I would be, ah, oh, that'd be awesome. Yeah. That would be awesome. It'll be, it'll be something weird. Like you have to prove yeah. you've been vaccinated or something like that. Like it won't yeah. be just like first come first serve, but I think we'll be there. We'll be there. All right. A couple more. Um, I want to go into some word association with you for a minute, but I also really want to, um, I want to bring up this thing that Bruce Bruce Bernstein sent me. I don't did you, did you see it yesterday at all about the uh, the Star Wars? Um, the, the, Bill Burr, the, yeah, yeah, Bill Burr, Bill Burr, and um, he he makes a point, and you know it's 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 a somewhat good point. I don't know, but I his his point was that somehow Bill, he he fired back at Star Wars fans who say they've mm. never heard a Boston accent in outer space, um, and his his response was f those nerdy nitpicking nerds your mm -hmm. thoughts he's absolutely right now i'm, yeah. I'm biased because i like bill burr I, I enjoy his comedy a lot yeah. but i i am a, a i am definitely a bigger star wars fan than i am a bill burr fan but he's right there's no such thing in any of this like he, he the point it's he made science was, fiction yeah, it's like no it's like oh oh wait boston accents don't exist but English does, <laughs> right? right? Like that's how ridiculous is that. And and I'm from more important, more importantly, Bill Burr's character. He did one episode in season one and one episode in season two. In season one, he was Bill Burr. He's a dick and he makes fun of the guy. And and then you know he, he's an easy heel. Right. But the episode he did in season two was just so textured and layered, and it's based on some really deep Star Wars canon, right? When he's talking about Operation Cinder, that's a real thing uh, in Star Wars canon about, um, about the protocols that the Empire put in should the, em the, the Emperor die, right? Yes. And so he plays a, a former Imperial sharpshooter. And he's sitting there right across from a guy who executed this this operation cinder to the letter and part of that included killing your own people and he's like those are people that i served alongside good men and women good soldiers for what 
for what? What do we do it for? And that's when you realize, you know, hey, just because it's an order doesn't mean it's necessarily good or right, right? And good soldiers follow orders, but that doesn't necessarily always mean that that's the best or right thing. And now he's a guy who's kind of, he's left the Imperial Army and he's doing his own thing as kind of like a bounty hunter or, you know, just as a, a, a mercenary. I think he's doing he's great thinking, work. And, but, but he's thinking to himself like, what, what did I, I watched my friends die for what? And so, to and he played it perfectly. And so to watch this really great act, it wasn't funny. He wasn't being a comedian. He wasn't being Bill Burr. That was an actor acting his ass off, right? This for is... anyone to sit there and dismiss it. But he's got a Boston act. Who gives a fuck? <laughs> Why do you care? Right? Like, I mean... Uh, uh, Luke sounds like a whiny kid from the valley, right? And totally. and Tarkin sounds like, hey, here's one. Anakin Skywalker sounds like a whiny kid from the valley, and then he puts on a mask, and all of a sudden, he sounds like a black man who has a, a faintly British accent. <laughs> like that doesn't that like that didn't throw you off at all, but like Bill Burr's consistent Boston accent did. Come a on, apology man. accepted, Captain Nita. Yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> That's I mean, one of my favorite I, lines. Yeah, no, it's it's tremendous. I'm with you. I'm with you. And did you um, the the line I you said I messed up the words the last time that um, that that you, I have I was on and I spoke of the, the I am your father part. Yeah, uh, he never says. Yeah, he, I, he never said. Yeah, he says. Oh, wait, 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 the word the line is Obi Wan never told you about your father. Yes. He, says, he told me enough. He told me you killed him. He says, no, I am your father. He never says, Luke, I am your father. Oh, which is what people, oh, oh people you're right. Yeah. Say, Luke, I am uh, your father. He never says, the, he says Obi-Wan no. never told you about your father. Yeah. What that, happened that, to your, what happened, what happened to, to your father? father? He told Please. me enough. He told me you killed him. No, <laughs> I am your father. There's, 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 there's line. There's there's the line in in uh, Return of the Jedi where Luke says like Anakin Skywalker and Vader gets pissed. He says that main name has no meaning to me. Oh. <laughs> like he gets upset that you would bring up yeah. that name. It's like calling your dad by his first name. No, You're not you allowed can't. to do that. You gotta you call him dad. Uh, did, once again, I've been working on my Yoda. Let me let me know what you oh, think here. Here we go. Looking awesome, what you have, I would say. Hmm. Yeah, you need a little bit more. Like there's a there's a, a guttural kind of break. Yes. Oh, yours is better. That, that is why you fail. That's oh. you know what you know what Yoda God is. You know what? what Yoda is. Listen to a lot of Fozzie Bear. It's Frank Oz. <laughs> it Listen is Fozzie Bear because it's, it's Oz. Bear. It's the Oz puppet. Yep. Yep. Take your, take your toy in my wheel. Yeah. Mm. Waka, waka, waka. Like you just, you it's see, the you same see guy. Waka, waka, Jedi Master. It's, the only difference is Fozzie Bear <laughs> speaks in regular diction and Yoda does the, I'm going to put the first part last and the last part first thing. That's the only difference. If you do, you listen to a lot of Fozzie Bear, you'll get Yoda. You'll get Yoda. All right, good. All right, my last segment with Amin El Hassan, who's been great. And uh, I, I love listening to his uh, his takes. I, I, what I'm going to look forward to, too, with uh, Dan Levitard and you guys is I don't feel like you deal in breaking news at all. I feel like 
I feel like, and you've, this is one of the reasons why I've liked you as a person, uh, as much as a colleague is, um, you deal with breaking perspectives. You, you mm. take the, you take what is in front of you and you project what's really going on here. And I think, I think that's a gift. And I really, I think you're going to take that to him and that, uh, and, and the new company. And I, and I'm really going to look forward to that in many ways. And I think Dan has a lot of that in him too, where he, he can look at the, a, a small window and all of a sudden, boom, see something so much larger in that one thing. And to me, that's the best sports writing, the best uh, uh, podcasting, the, be the, the best mm -hmm. uh, broadcasting is really to take that, that small thing and take it to the next level. And so I'm, I, I, I'm a big, you know, I'm a big fan before um, I'm a colleague of yours. I want you to know that. Yeah. You know, Mike, news breaking is such a, it's a fleeting pleasure, right? The yeah. reality is, if I ask you right now, who broke the news that, um, uh, let me think of a good one. Who broke the news that Andrew Wiggins was going to be the number one overall pick in 2014? Do you remember? I have no idea. It could have been. Yeah, no I would say it's Shams or Woj since okay. they've got an unholy yeah. alliance with every that's, NBA agent in the world. But that's just but that's, my opinion. That's that's just a, 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 what you would call a quote unquote educated guess, right? Right. But you don't know. No, I don't know. I, so, I have no idea. Do, and I really do you think, okay, care. so as we sit, yeah, exactly. Does it matter? Right. <laughs> it doesn't matter. So one of the big fundamental things that I think our entire industry has a problem with is that we put value on something that has no value, and not no value in a good way, but it has no value in a bad way. It is. It is which is transactions, right? I always say this, uh, Paul George got traded for 7 million first round picks to the Clippers and nobody knew about it until the news broke, right? Until they, they announced, right? Like we didn't even know he was on the block, right. right? So I always say this, if there were a world with no newsbreakers, no Shams, no Mark Stein, none of those guys, no Chris Haynes, how would you know that Paul George got traded? His Twitter account, his Instagram right. page. Let's no, assume you're right. That, you're right. Who, let's who assume, would, let's yeah. assume, like, let, so, so let's assume the player, the team will put out a press release. Exactly. Okay. Let's assume this crazy genie who has created this fictional world, who has done away with <laughs> a players allowing to tweet themselves and done away <laughs> with uh, press releases and done away with newsbreakers. How would you know that Paul George got traded to the Clippers? <laughs> you wouldn't. No, you would. There's one unequivocal way okay. you would know. He would show up on the court at training. He'd camp. be wearing a Clippers fucking jersey. You said, <laughs> "How did he get there?" Oh my god, he's a Clipper. That's how you would know. So if you would, if you literally just wait long enough, you'd find out sooner or later. Right. Guess what? That ain't news. You're That's right. trivia. That's, That's trivia. trivia. That's trivia. Right. Uh. News is something that if we sat here a million years, we'd have never known. Woodward and Bernstein broke news. Yes. If yeah. not for their efforts, Nixon would have had another uh, term and we would have just sure. gone on with life. Sure, the reporters, that's, who, the reporters who broke the Flint water story broke news. That's news. It infected social uh, policy. It got people fired. It helped actually uh, stop the lead and, poisoning going on. And, and, and let me just say, I don't want to make it seem like it has to be something earth changing, like the presidency yeah. or, uh, or, 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 or poisoned water. Right. 
my buddy Ethan Strauss wrote an article for, for ESPN.com when he worked for ESPN that to this day is the most read article in the history of ESPN.com. More than Brady, the Flategate, more than LeBron going Wait, to Miami. Was it, was, it the, was it the Steph Curry story? About the, the Steph shoes? Curry's, the shoes. Wow. About Nike, Nike dropping the ball. Wow. And how Curry ended up at Under Armour. And the reality is, if Ethan doesn't write that story, we just think, oh, he switched sneakers. That was okay. a great, yeah, I remember that because it, there was this great, uh, this, this this great anecdote about Doe Curry and Doe. They walk into Nike and the and the you know the Beaverton store wherever they and, and and the presentation's a joke and they uh, they misspelled I, his name. They misspelled his name. No, yeah, they they mis they mispronounced his name. Yeah. And then one of the slides, uh, they hadn't updated because it was the same pitch that they gave yeah. some other guy. So it had some yeah. other guy's name on it. So, again, these are things that Ethan had to dig to find out, to mm. report, to write about. And if he doesn't, we never know about it. Yeah. That, ladies and gentlemen, that's yeah. news. Yeah. Who got signed, who got traded, who got yes. drafted is trivia. You know why? Because if you found out from him, two seconds later, he or she tweeted it too. Oh, and so yeah. it doesn't fucking matter who broke it. Yeah. So you're in this arms race and you know there's only one entity out of all the entities, Fox, ESPN, Bleacher Report, Turner Sports, Yahoo Sports, like whatever you want, there's only one entity that benefits from the newsbreakers consistently, time after time. There's only one entity that should value each one of these mega newsbreakers for tens of millions of dollars. You know who it is? Go. The entity that doesn't have to pay a dime, Twitter. <laughs> Twitter. Oh, Twitter. I always say, I say this daily. My wife even gives me grief. I'll be tweeting something and she'll go, honey, you don't work for Jack at Twitter. You know, like, what, what, why are you giving Jack your content it. to these people that essentially they're raising their ad rates because you just gave them something? Like, Jack are, you, are you out of your mind? Like, you don't work for Facebook. You know, so I, that's so true. Zuckerberg I, loves you. Yeah. These people love you because yeah. what you're doing is you are perpetuating training the reader that, hey, if you want to know when Paul George gets traded, this is the place. You oh, want to yeah. be dicking uh, around? Oh, ESPN.com. Yeah. ESPN Why are you wasting your time over there? Yeah. Here. This is where it's going to be. Oh, you want, yeah. You want to know when Betty Davis dies, you go to Twitter. It's crazy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. All right. The, Here, go ahead. I cut you off. No, no. So, so yeah. like, to me, that's the biggest, the biggest problem with our industry. Is yeah. that it, it feels like at this point they haven't figured that out that they're being gamed by the social media companies because they're creating free content to them that drives eyeballs to the social media companies, well, not to their websites, not to their TV stations, and not to their podcasts. Well, and not so, only that, yeah, not only that, there are there are people with massive followings now that are the editors and uh, news organization managers are making hires based on your followings. I know guy. I know a guy at the undefeated. I'm not gonna tell you his name. He he bought followers. He got a bunch of bots so he could have more followers. You know, he didn't pay a lot of money for him, but I found out. And so, like, my thing is this: oh. like, how much? I like, tell you, I tell you that that Justin Tinsley is despicable, isn't he? <laughs> oh no, oh, he's old school. He's actually that's good. What, just, no, Justin's my guy. Your guy. I'm, I'm, I'm no, having, he's, I'm yeah, having he's fun. The best. Man. 
Um, all right. Word association. I'll let you go here. I'm going to just go with things. You could use one word. You could use a sentence, but I'm going to, this is um, Amina Hassan's way to tell how he really feels about different people. Okay. Giannis Antetokounmpo. Uh, underappreciated. Hmm. Am I going one word or, or can I go? You can, you can go. Yeah, you can go. Okay. Under, I think like, this happens a lot in our league where people have real flaws, real flaws, not a made of flaw, but somehow we fall in love with talking about the flaw and kind of forget like how good the person is, right? The player is uh, obviously he's a great person, but I'm just talking from a player's side, but the guy's amazing. Mm. He can't shoot. I get it right now. If he continues with his non-shooting ass for the rest of his career, he's a hall of famer first ballot. So while I would like him to be a better shooter, like, let's not get it twisted like he's some bum. Yeah, I, I agree. I, Jeff Van Gundy always said, uh, he said, you know, why don't you guys start focusing on what players can do as opposed to what they can't do, you know? Uh, and he'd say that about Patrick Ewing all the time. Yeah, and, like, then, and, then Je- and then Jeff got in the media. <laughs> and then Jeff got in the media and he just started killing everybody. Yeah. Why doesn't he do that? Uh, all right. Um, Adam Silver. The best commissioner in sports, perhaps the best commissioner of all time, although I will say that I think David Stern was the right commissioner for what the NBA needed when David Stern came along, and Adam Silver is the right commissioner right now. I don't think I would want David Stern in charge of the, God rest his soul, but if he were alive and in his prime, I think I'd rather have Adam right now uh, than David. But 30 years ago, I would have rather had David than Adam. Mm. Kyrie Irving. Unreliable. And I'm going to say unreliable without judgment. Mm. He's going through stuff. He's not going. I don't, I don't care what I care about. This is just me. The cold blooded basketball. The front on the front on the former front office guy, front office guy. Uh, Marcellus Wiley likes I know he ripped it off from someone else I don't remember who but he, he loves to trumpet this one the best ability is availability Availability. I was just going to I was going to steal it for myself yeah, so like yeah. Yeah, I, Kyrie might be the most yeah. talented the most literally the most skilled player mm-hmm. in the history of basketball I, I say that with zero sarcasm he is the most skilled player in the history of basketball Mm. in terms of being able to do everything, dribble, pass, shoot with either hand, anywhere from the floor. Mm. There's nobody in the history of this game who's as skilled as he is. Not LeBron, not not Jordan, but I'm not going to call him the the highest IQ player or the not highest IQ because he is a high IQ player. I'm not calling him the best decision maker Mm. on the court and uh, off the court, I'm going to say he's unreliable. I can't count on him being there and being focused on the task at hand from night to night. And because of that, he's unreliable. Mm. ESPN. Oh, wow. That's, that's a long answer. ESPN. Influential. Um, 
powerful. Maybe sometimes misguided or off track. I, I it's it look again eight of the best years of my life met so many great people present mm-hmm. company included, um, and it gave me a platform, and I was nobody. Nobody knew who I was save maybe like Paul Coro who was the beat writer for the uh, the the Phoenix the Arizona Republic. Uh, covering the Phoenix Suns and like Sam Amick, who was Paul Coro's best friend on the on the road. So I knew Sam through Paul. You know, a couple of people here, Henry Abbott. There were a couple of people here and there within the industry who knew who I was, but for the most part, nobody knew who I was. And mm-hmm. ESPN made me someone that uh, you know. If I go out, if I go to uh, well, whenever restaurants and all that stuff is back, you know, a, a, a waiter might recognize who I am. So. Mm-hmm. That influence and that power, that's not that's not a little thing. And that's yeah. not something that I take for granted. Mm-hmm. Um, but like I said earlier, when I was talking about the excitement of working with Dan and, mm-hmm. and Skipper, is that when you're in the speedboat, changing direction is easy. We do that mm-hmm. right now. When you're in the ocean liner, it's a yeah, little harder. Yeah. And ESPN is an ocean liner. No, ESPN's the... Uh, ESPN's the... Uh... Titanic. I mean, yeah, you're right. ESPN's a Titanic, and they run into the iceberg all the time. Yeah, but they don't sink. They keep going. That's, yeah, that's, that's true. That's true. So, but I was know, shocked after they got rid of me that that it continued as a company, and it did. It was incredible. All right, um, they, they uh, managed. <laughs> the Republic survived. Uh, all right, Clay Travis. Irrelevant. <laughs> I don't. I mean. I'm with you. I, like, there's there's got, gonna be people listening to this going, who? Who? Like yeah. I'm not familiar. I don't know his he, work. He has he has his audience and he's got yeah. a big audience. And that's his audience. I don't uh, think he he has, like and, Whitlock and I have fallen out over this. I don't I don't talk to Whitlock anymore. And it's because he joined that that, that these people are awful. And I, you know, if if it's like Breitbart sports, and yeah. it's it's um it, it's one thing to sort of have a counterintuitive take on something. It's another to just uh, boldly go after the, um, the the disenfranchised, angry white man's dollar. Yeah. And that's exactly what's happening there. And it, it, it doesn't, have, this is the thing. I think anybody, like Whitlock used to say, oh, he's just entertainment. It's like Howard Stern, it's a different lane. Yeah. It's not when you actually convince people that the coronavirus is a hoax or you right, don't right. think there's like, that's, like that's dangerous. And, that's and sadly enough, there's people who actually see whatever that outkick thing is, whatever, that actually take your advice on that stuff. That's, and some of them probably got sick, you idiot. And so that's, 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 where I, that's where I draw the line. So I'll give you a great example. I, I'm good friends with the comedian, Andrew Schultz, who's got a great uh, Netflix special right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, Andrew Schultz saves the world, right? Andrew Schultz is a guy who has who will say he like the PC culture hasn't reached Schultz. He's making jokes that are not for everyone, right? In terms of not for every, not not for every ethnicity, right? But not for those who are sensitive, right? And I always tell people, my friends who don't like, oh, I don't like you guys said this. I'm like, he's a comedian, right? He was that's the joke, right? But when you are propagating things that are clearly just falsehoods just because it gets you 
a certain level of notoriety or attention. I think that's a different level. And I think the biggest thing, and I don't know any of these people personally, but people who know Whitlock and people who have known Clay Travis in the past and people who knew Tommy Laren in the past and a lot of these other people who barter. The dead this, spin guy. No, Tommy Laren is, is the, is the young blonde woman who, uh, Oh, oh God! Yeah, yeah she's yeah, got a she's yeah. got a heck of a Twitter following now. Yeah. And she's and uh, Candace people. Owens. Yeah, and all of these all these characters. Yeah. You know, you know what always comes up when people from their past speak up. Hmm. Is it? Oh no! This, these used to be the most fucking liberal motherfuckers. <laughs> so, like they're not <laughs> doing this. They're not doing this because of a sincere political belief completely they're doing it because they found this it's a cash it's, it's a cash yeah. grab and, you found an and audience and so at some point you have to ask yourself is that like um, what am i worth right yeah. what is my value what how what lengths will i go to am i just making some jokes here yeah right that are, that are a little risque and maybe might offend some people or am yeah. i mobilizing inciting lunatics no. And when you talk about Clay Travis, that I mean, he, yeah, he's, he's yeah, I was surprised. I was surprised he wasn't on video in the Capitol. That's all I'm saying. No, um, no, but he, you know, but I'm he not, wouldn't do it because he was committed to it. Because right. he's not, because he's not really about that life. No, he's no. about it as long as it, it is a a revenue generating scheme. Totally, completely. All right, all right. This was great. Um, last one, Baby Yoda. I have to ask you. Grogu, you got a name Grogu. now. Yeah, Grogu. Yeah, you know what's funny was I think early... Grogu is bigger than than regular Yoda, but that's just me. Probably at this point, yeah, because again, you've got all these people who don't like Star or don't would not even watch Star Wars. Yeah, you're right. We're now advocates for this, but I'm, I'm gonna tell you this: when season two was starting, and we knew that the general premise was he's. You know, the, the quote from Mando, which is, you want me to deliver this child to a race of enemy sorcerers who <laughs> were hell-bent on destroying us, right? It's like, oh, man, he's going to go find the Jedi. I I said to uh, Jason Jackson, my co-host on Sirius XM NBA Radio, I said, watch. He'll deliver him to Luke Skywalker. He'll enroll in Luke Skywalker's Academy for Gifted Youth. And then he's going to be the one that tells Kylo Ren, you know what? Luke is always giving you a hard time. You need to tell him to go. <laughs> it's it's oh, all his fault. If, you, if nobody has seen The Mandalorian, uh, Amino has to just spoiled it for you on my pocket, yeah. but that's fine because, oh my God, the end, the, the, the last episode was better than any, was better than yeah. the first, uh, uh, the Attack of the Clones and yeah. the, the other movie. Okay. All right. Um, all right. I got to get going. You've been an unbelievable. I really congratulate you for uh, making the, taking a courageous professional step and I wish you the best, man. I, you know, I lo- uh, you're working with great people and everything's going to be, you know, I, all the best to you, man. I, and I look forward to the point where this thing dies down, where I can buy you food again in LA or, oh, or wherever we are. DC. I'm going to come to DC. There we go. I'm coming to DC. You won't make it to the inauguration of Joseph um, no. Biden, but you will after that at some point. I will, and, and you know what? I'll I'll come. I'll body glide my way in. <laughs> <laughs> All right, thanks, man. That was great. That was dope. <laughs>
Our biggest hope for 2021 is that the COVID vaccine is given to every person on the planet so we can snuff this pandemic out as soon as possible. But until that day arrives, please keep your guard up. Wear the mask in public to protect yourselves and others. Wash your hands, keep your distance, and just be considerate of others. And keep all the medical professionals in your prayers. All right, let's go. Time to stick the landing. Thanks to my guest, Amin Hassan. Follow him on Twitter at Darth Amin. You gotta love the Star Wars reference. Bruce Bernstein has produced all 102 shows. Thank you, Bruce. Tom Phillip edits this show every week and he makes all of us better. Please check out all of our Pure Hoops media shows. Full Court with Jenny Fisher and Kara Kay has the best in college hoop each Tuesday. Catch and Shoot 2.0 with Otto Strong and Aaron Berlin is here every Wednesday. Buckets, Boards, and Blocks with Monica McNutt and King McClure has a new pot every Thursday. And my friend BJ Armstrong and Eric Newman have the Pure Hoops podcast each Friday. Of course, the Mike Wise Show has a new episode every Monday. We also have a bunch of great segments you can check out on the Beer Hoops Media YouTube channel. Until next time, peace! The Mike Wise Show used to be called The Wise Ass Show, but it remains a presentation of Pure Hoops Media. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.